I'm saying, y'all give me a few minutes to share this, and then, and then I'm going to share a bit of bad news to you. Um, but but the, um, <clears throat> not bad news about nothing here, but you'll, you'll know what you hear in just a second when I get to it. Preaching the gospel and being a pastor is not an easy task. Amen. It's not an easy task. It, it's, it, to me, uh, it's one of the most difficult assignments there is. Amen. Because the preacher has to depend upon a noetic quality, which means his sermon, the, the, the uh, message that he gives to the people is not his own. In other words, it's not something that comes from him. It comes from God. And so he has to depend upon God to give him that message that God would have him to share with the people. And so it's, 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 it's difficult sometimes because that means then we have to move when God say move. Uh, you know, what's that song say? When, I'm, when I say move, you move just like this or just like that. That's what the preacher has to do. And so a lot of times when, when you're in the bed sleep at night, the pastor's up uh, trying to get that sermon together. It don't come when he wanted to come. And I share this real quick and then I'm going to move on. <clears throat> I share this all the time. Members of our church know, but, but Dr. Spurgeon, famous preacher, um, was, uh, it is said that he was working, trying to get his sermon prepared for Sunday, and he had such a hard time that week. Just nothing wasn't coming out right. And, um, and it got to be Saturday, and he still didn't have his sermon together. So it got to be getting, it started getting pretty late that evening. And his wife said, honey, uh, why don't you come on and go to bed? He said, well, baby, I, I, um, I can't because I don't have my sermon prepared. She said, just, just go to bed and trust God, and maybe by morning the Lord will put something in your heart. And so he took her advice and uh, went on to bed and uh he had told her to try to help help him to get up early so he can get something prepared, and she didn't get him up. And he it was it was he had just enough time from when she woke him up. He had just enough time to get to the church, and he was kind of upset and said, "Well, baby, I thought I asked you to get me up so I can get prepared." And she said, "Oh, don't worry about it." And he was getting ready to walk out the door, and she handed him some paper, and, and uh, she said, "Here, take this." <clears throat> and he said, "What is this?" She said, this is what you said in your sleep last night. <laughs> and so God had worked it out. So what I'm saying, being a pastor and preparing and getting prepared to preach is not easy. And then the pastor has to uh, deal, you know, he deal with different people and different attitudes and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's hard. And, um, and I just think it's well, Zion, that you take out this time to say, Pastor, we appreciate you. Amen. Amen. Now, I also want to say, Zion, um, man, God been good to y'all. Did, did y'all hear what I said? I said, God has been good to y'all. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I believe this in all my heart. God bless Zion with one of the greatest preachers there is today. Amen. I believe that. I tell, Pastor, I, t I tell Pastor during that all the time. I said, Pastor during, man, I think God, God have poured into you so much. Now, this is what I want to say to Zion. Zion, be patient with Pastor during when, uh, now, I'm, hear me, there's going to come a time when he's going to be gone a lot. 
It just hasn't started yet. But when it starts, he's going to be on the road. He's going to be preaching revivals. He's going to be doing institutes. Amen. So y'all just, just let him go. Amen. Let him go. And when he come back home, this, this is the years now, and I'm going to say this, Pastor, if you don't mind. He's getting everything set up. He's setting it up so he can go and preach. And when he come back, he got a great word for y'all. Now, <laughs> now, the bad news is this. Normally, I would say, I ain't going to preach long today. Normally, I would say that. New Corners don't know. I would say, I ain't going to preach long this afternoon. Give me about 17 minutes. And I'm going to sit down. But I can't say that this afternoon. <laughs> I might be a little long tonight, but y'all bear with me. We, <laughs> we in good time. Amen. We in real good time. So, but if y'all pray with me and pray for me, I think God will get us through it. Amen. For a few minutes today, and I'm not going to be able to deal with the theme passage, but let me uh, call your attention uh, to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and I would like to focus our attention upon verses 9 through verse 14, and then also verse number 18. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 14, and then also verse number 18. When you find it, say amen. amen. It reads this way. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice and it, was, and it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I seek, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. But then verse number 18 reads this way. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees, which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. Today with your prayers, with the help of God for a few minutes tonight, I want to try to talk from the subject. Come out of your cave. Amen. Come out of your cave. 
I want to say, my brothers and my sisters, that the prophet Elijah stands up and out in the Old Testament. He seems to be a man who's built for stress and storms, one who is able to handle any type of emergency. He comes walking across the pages of the Word of God without much of an introduction, without a portfolio or an impressive resume, without impressive credentials. Suddenly, he walks across the stage of history onto the pages of the Bible. For it says in, verse, in chapter 17, And it came to pass that Elijah, the Tishbite, an inhabitant of Gilead, walks into the king's palace and says to King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, There will be no rain nor dew in the land for the next years according to my word. And the Lord says to the prophet after he issued this bold proclamation, God says, go hide yourself by the brook Cherith. And according to the word of the man of God, the Bible tells us no rain falls, no dew falls, the land dries up, crops dry up in the fields, people are perishing. There's a foul odor and stench in the land because there's been no rain nor dew according to the word of the man of God. But notice when we read, the Bible tells us that the prophet Elijah has a private pool and his own personalized meals on wing service. For the Bible said the ravens bring him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Which says today, my brothers and my sisters, God knows how to take care of his own. If I'm right, y'all say amen. And so all seemingly is well. God sends him there by the brook and he sustains him there. All is well, but suddenly in verse 7 of chapter 17, the Bible says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And so God said, Elijah, I want you to leave and go to a place called Zarephath. And there's a widow woman there that will sustain thee there. And as Elijah gets there, uh, he sees this woman out in the yard. And she uh, has no more meal in the barrel and no more oil. And she's outside gathering a few sticks. And Elijah walks up and says to her, uh, what he asked, in essence, what's going on? And she said, I'm preparing me. I'm getting, collecting these sticks because there's a famine in the land. And I'm going to cook uh, some cake, a cake for my son and I. And we're going to eat one more time and then we're going to die. But then Elijah said, well, I tell you what you do. Go and cook, my, cook me one first and bring it to me and let me eat it. And then go back and make some for your son and yourself. Now, if that had been some of us, and the man of God says something like that to us, we would have said, man, have you lost your mind to prepare for you first? But the Bible said, because she was obedient to the man of God, that the oil never failed, and the meal never failed. Can I get a witness? Then Elijah, he goes on. God tells him to go show himself to Ahab. And so he goes after three years to show himself to Ahab. And when Ahab 
gets to him, Ahab said, Art thou he who troubleth all Israel? And Elijah said, It's not me, king. It's you. It's the fact that you fail to obey the command of God. It's the fact that you worship Balaam. And so Elijah said, I tell you what, uh, why don't you gather all of the prophets and meet me on Mount Carmel. And we're going to call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers my fire, let him be God. Can I get a witness? And so they go there and they get everybody assembled there. They make the altar and all that. And they get two bullocks, um, one for, uh, for uh, Ahab and one for Elijah. And, um, and so Ahab goes first and um, get it all set up. And so the Bible said that from morning until noon, they called on the name of Baal. They said, oh, Baal, answer us by fire. But the problem was Baal uh, was a god who had eyes but could not see. He had a mouth, but he could not talk. He had hands, but he could not help. He had feet, uh, but he could not stand nor walk. Baal was a handmade and homemade God. Elijah said, uh, begin when noontime came, Elijah uh, began to poke fun at him. Elijah said, well, maybe you ought to call him a little louder. Maybe he's gone on a journey. Maybe he's gone on vacation. And the Bible said it came time for the evening sacrifice and the prophet uh, Elijah built up his altar, laid the sacrifice on the altar, soaked it with 12 barrels of water. The Bible said he called on the name of the Lord. And God answered him by fire. Amen. It had, uh, and then Elijah had the prophets of Baal slain. And in the next moment, he called for rain. And after a three-and-a-half-year drought, rain began to fall. Well, chapter 18 concludes with Ahab returning home, telling Jezebel about all that had transpired on Mount Carmel. And chapter 19 opens with the threat of Jezebel. Instead of Jezebel being intimidated, the Bible lets us know that uh, Jezebel is now infuriated and she sent the messenger who comes to the prophet bearing word from queen jezebel that just as you have slain the prophets of baal tomorrow by this time i will have your head the bible said that elijah the prophet uh was gripped by fear uh he panics and the bible said pick, he picks up his servant and runs and comes to a place called Beersheba. He leaves his servant there and runs on to a place called Horeb. And there the Bible says he hides in a cave. Now this bold prophet uh, who has said there shall be no rain nor dew uh, for the next year according to my word. This same prophet who God had provided with his own private pool and meals on wing service. This same prophet who had been cared for by 
a widow woman in Zarephath. This same prophet who had stood so tall one day on Mount Carmel, we find him now hiding in a cave. I want to say today, my brothers and my sister Elijah suffers from what could be called post-Carmel letdown. Uh, he's now gripped by fear. And I want to say, my brothers and my sisters, you know, you really have to watch fear because fear has a way of erasing your memory. And it causes you to forget what God has already done. This bold prophet who has stood so tall on Mount Carmel one day is now hiding in a cave. Can I get a witness? And I think I need to say to somebody here tonight, uh, you know it really is a short distance from the mountain to the cave. You see, all can be well one day, and all hell can break loose the next day. It's a short distance from the mountain to the cave. So if all is well at your house today, don't get beside yourself because there's a short distance from the mountain to the cave. Elijah, the Bible tells us, is there in a cave. He had a bad case of the blues. He's been singing, Lord, I'm the only one left and they seek my life. Why don't you just go on and take my life? I want to say tonight, God drops by that cave and raises the question to Elijah. He says, what doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah, what are you doing in this cave? Uh, what are you doing off the job? I don't remember giving you a day off. Elijah, it's not a holiday, nor is it a holy day. What are you doing in this cave, Elijah? Elijah, it's not vacation time. What doest thou here, oh, Elijah? And maybe that's a good word for somebody here today. God says, what doest thou here? You had a long week last week. You woke up early this morning. What doest thou here? Uh, just why are you here? Are you here to just skin and grin? Or are you here to just style, smile, and profile? God says, what doest thou here, oh, Eliza? God says, Eliza, you got a problem. Uh, you've got a prophetic paralysis. Eliza, you've been rendered immobile. Can I get a witness? And the Lord said, you need something, Elijah, to get you up on your feet and running again. So God said, Elijah, you need some lessons. And so I'm going to give you now some lessons. First lesson that God teaches Elijah, God teaches him a lesson on self-pity. Uh, God said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah said, well... I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. I've done everything you told me to do. And Lord, you know how Israel have forsaken your covenant. Uh, you, they've torn down your altar. They've slain your prophets with the sword. Fact about it, Lord, I'm the only one left. And they seek my life 
to take it away. Now the problem with Elijah was that his focus had shifted from God to himself. All of a sudden now, uh, he could only see his own peril and not the possibilities or the potentials of the power of God upon his life. And how oftentimes that happens to you and me. In a sudden and unexpected crisis, our vision is diverted from the, pres from the uh, pres presence and power of God to the threatening circle of circumstances closing in around us. In times of fear, we panic and our focus shifts from God to ourselves. Elijah had allowed the events of his life to shape and mold his mood. He was now being controlled by his circumstances. So God says, Elijah, what you need to do is come out of this cave. Elijah, that, that, that's your first problem. Uh, you're in this cave. And it's dark, it's damp, it's discouraging, it's defeating in the cave. Elijah, come out of this cave. And maybe that's a word for somebody tonight. Uh, somebody here today, maybe you're filled with despair. Maybe today you feel that you're going through something that nobody else has ever gone through. But I come today to say uh, that whatever you're going through, somebody else has already gone through it. Can I get a witness? No matter how rough it is, uh, you can rest assured that somebody's going through it right now. Uh, and you can also rest assured somebody else is going to go through it on tomorrow. Elijah, your problem is with this cave. And maybe that's what God is saying uh, to us today. God is saying, come out of your cave. Uh, you're not the only person that's lost their job. You need to come out of your cave. You're not the only person that's ever gone through a divorce. You need to come out of your cave. You're not the only one who's had rebellious and disruptive and disrespectful children. You need to come out of your cave. Uh, you're not the only one uh, that folk have lied on and hung their name out on the highway. Uh, you're not the only one who's been battered by sickness and disease God says, come out of your cave. Well, the question tonight is, how do I come out of my cave? Well, if you want to come out of your cave, you got you to gotta stop complaining and start collecting. Stop complaining about what you don't have and start collecting on what you do have. Many of us, I mean no harm, but many of us have allowed, many of us, uh, have allowed our circumstance to transform us into chronic complainers. Can I get a witness? There are some people, you dare not ask them how they're doing because they'll give you a long litany of complaints. Can I get a witness? But not only, uh, not only that, but you need to stop pitying and start praying. Stop groaning and start glorifying. Stop pitching a pity party and start shouting. Because I've discovered that there are some things in life, the only way you're ever going to 
get through them is you got to shout your way through them. Can I get a witness? Yes, sir. And I want to say, uh, you don't have to wait until the battle is over. You can shout right now. Can I get a witness? So God gives uh, Elijah uh, a lesson on self-pity. But then secondly, God gives him a lesson on stillness. For the Bible said, God passed by that cave, and a great and mighty wind began to blow. And all around uh, the prophet, the Bible said, was falling rocks. But God was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake, the ground beneath his feet was quaking and shaking. But God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire swooped down through those mountains. But God was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And what the wind, the earthquake, and the fire could not do, the still small voice of God did do. Because the Bible said when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and came out of that cave. Now I want to say that time when God does speak through the wind. Can I get a witness? At Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came at the sound of a mighty rushing wind, uh, God does speak uh, through wind. There are times when he does speak through earthquakes both at the crucifixion and the resurrection. The Bible said there were earthquakes. There are times when God does speak through the fire. He called Moses out of a burning bush. Can I get a witness? Uh, what God is saying to us today, he's saying, Elijah, you've been caught up in the happenings on Mount Carmel. Fire had been falling, rain had been falling. And after three and a half year drought, Elijah, what I need you to tell you is uh, that I don't always work through the spectacular and the supernatural. I I'm also able to work through a still, small voice. Elijah, you need to know that I'm not, I'm not only the God of the extraordinary, but I am the God who also speaks through the ordinary. And you know a whole lot of us are tuned in uh, by the supernatural and the spectacular. Even as, even as it relates, and I mean no harm, but even as it relates to our approach to worship, our approach to worship I mean for us to really think that we had church, the choir had to sing till the power fall down, the preacher had to preach everybody happy. Can I get And So many people have to join church before we leave there talking about, oh, what a time we had today. And then when that doesn't happen, we get home and pick up the telephone, call folk who was not there, and say, oh, baby, you didn't miss very much. Didn't nothing happen today. Can I get a witness? The problem with us is that uh, we don't know how to handle stillness. But I need to tell you that some of the greatest experiences that I've ever had with God, I wasn't in a church house. I wasn't sitting on a pew nowhere. There was no choir singing, but it was, I was by myself reflecting about how good God has been to me. And I want to say I don't need no sanctuary uh, because I can think myself happy when I think of the goodness of Jesus. 
and all he's done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Can I get a witness? Yes, sir, I can think myself happy. Uh, and I mean no harm, but many of us have a problem with stillness. For many of us, stillness speaks too loud for us. Uh, we can't stand stillness. We like to talk about how macho we are. And I mean no harm, Lord, help me. But, you know, I hear a lot of young guys going around talking about how much a man they are. Living in their daddy's house, eating their mama's food, spending their girlfriend money. Talking about I'm a man. Can I get a witness? At the same time, they can't even be in a room by themselves. They always got to have loud music playing. When you, they ride down the street in the car, they play the music loud enough for the whole neighborhood. Because they can't stand to hear the beat of their own heart. Can I get a witness? Uh, they got to be in a crowd because they can't stand their own company. Many have a problem with stillness. Uh, you need to know that you got to have some time alone with God. Can I get a witness? But then the third lesson that God gives Elijah, God gives him a, a lesson on service. He says, Elijah, go down in Syria and anoint a new king in Syria. And go down on in Israel and anoint a new king in Israel. God called the prophet back to the very work he had earlier abandoned. God sent him back to the very place he tried to run away from. God was willing to give the prophet a second chance. And that's what I love about the Lord. He's the God of a second chance. Can I get a witness? God says, Elijah, I want you uh, uh, to go down into Syria and anoint a new king in Syria. Then Elijah go down in Israel and anoint a new king in Israel. Elijah, I'm tired of Ahab and Jezebel. I know they've been doing that dirt. And they think because they've gotten by uh, that they're going to get off. And I know, Elijah, you've been worried about the way things are going. But, Elijah, I need to let you know that I'm going to have the last words. And I think that's a mighty good word to those of us who are here today. God will have the last words. So go ahead on and do your dirt uh, and you think because you've gotten by, you're going to get off. But I come tonight to tell you, uh, the Lord will have the last words. So go on and throw your rocks and hide your hands. Uh, but God will have the last words. Go on and smile in people's face. And then shove cold daggers in their backs. God will have the last word. If you don't believe he'll have the last word, then ask the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests that thought they had the last words that Friday uh, when they drove nails in my Jesus' hand. Uh, they drove spikes in uh, his feet. 
they pierced him in his side. They put a crown of thorns around his head. They thought they had the last word when he died on the cross. And I think I need to let y'all know he did die on the cross. Can I get a witness? But I'm so glad that's not the end of the story. I'm glad that's not the last word. The last word uh, was not that he died. But uh, the last word is early Sunday morning. He rose from the grave. I'm glad the last word is not uh, he died. But the last word is he lives. So the Lord says, go on and anoint a new king in Syria and anoint a new king in Israel. But uh, the final thing I want you to do, Elijah, is go, uh -huh, is, uh, is go and uh, anoint Elisha uh, to take your place. Uh, I've given you uh, a lesson on uh, self-pity. And I've given you uh, a lesson uh, on stillness. I've given you a, a lesson on service. But now let me give you one last little lesson, Elijah. You need a, a lesson on statistics. Elijah, I need to let you know that I got 7,000 in Israel who never bowed a knee to bear. You talking about you the only one left, Elijah. I need to let you know that I always have somebody and you know y'all we need to know that because we go around here acting like uh if we ain't here it ain't gonna work god always has somebody uh-huh that's a good word to close on here now god always has somebody you know some of us believe that uh the lord and the church can't get along without us we think if we stop singing, uh, the choir is going to go down. If we stop ushering, uh, uh, the ministry is going to go down. If I don't show up, it won't be nobody there. But God always has somebody. He never leaves himself uh, without uh, a witness. Can I get a witness? You see, before the Lord ever had a Billy Graham, he had a John Wesley. Before he ever had a John Wesley, he had Aquinas. Before he ever had Aquinas, he had Augustine. Before he ever had Augustine, he had Ambrose. Before he ever had Ambrose, he had Polycarp. Before he ever had Polycarp, he had the Apostle Paul. Before he had the apostle Paul, he had Peter. Before he had Peter, he had John the Baptist. Before he had John the Baptist, he had Elijah. Before he ever had Elijah, he had Abraham. Before he had Abraham, he had Adam. Before he had Adam, the morning star sang for together. And the sons of God shouted for God. God always has somebody. He never takes an Abraham without having an Isaac somewhere. 
He never takes a Moses without having a Joshua somewhere. He never takes a David without having a Solomon somewhere. He never takes Elijah without having Elisha somewhere. God, hey, hey, hey. Somebody, yes, he does. So, as I come to a close, I want to tell you, Pastor Duran, hold on to God's unchanging hand. Don't worry about it. God will. Can I get a winner? God will take care of you. Is there anybody here that no God will take care of you? Ain't it alright? Don't fool me, y'all. Ain't it alright? Have you ever tried it? Ain't it alright? If you know it's alright, let me hear you real loud. If you know it's alright, uh, let me just say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We extend this stand of the job and say, may we stand. There always is somebody. Somebody died on the cross for you. If someone here who does not know that somebody, his name is Jesus. And you can confess him right now to make him Lord of your life. And you can know that he will, always leave, he will always protect you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he can take you out of that cave and give you peace. Is there someone here today? The word has gone forth. Harder not your heart on today for salvation. Father, Lord, we come right now to you, oh God. Lord, I lift up every heart right now, oh God. Lord, I pray that somebody here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray right now they can come out that cave and say, Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to be baptized and join the fellows that submit to a church, oh God. And know your power, your power of your resurrection, power of your voice that you can speak through earthquakes, speak through fires. And Lord, you can speak in stillness. Lord, we want to know you. Have your way right now, Lord, we ask. All to Jesus we surrender. Hallelujah. Amen. There's someone here today. To thee, my blood. Is there someone here today want to surrender all to Jesus and come to know him? There's no better one than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We see none come forward, but we know there's always room at the cross. God sees you right where you are. Just call on him, and you can know you may be seated.